All right, here we are on the Carolina Outdoors. We're sure glad that you're joining us. Bill Barty on this side of your radio dial. On the other side is Wes Lawson, but from afar. We're calling in to find out what Wes has going on. There's a lot happening at Jesse Brown's Outdoors, and there's a lot happening in the travel and adventure world. And we're going to hear what Wes has to say about both of those things. We'll jump in with the first one. It made the news this week. In fact, it was a travesty of travel, which we celebrate on the Carolina Outdoors. Actually, we celebrate the travel, not the travesty part. Uh, But uh, experts say old technology could have been responsible for the FAA outage that caused hundreds of if not thousands of of travelers to be uh, stranded, flights to be stranded and changed and canceled. And Wes Lawson, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Uh, For those of us who may be heading out, not necessarily on business, that's a hassle anyway, but maybe on a ski trip or maybe a vacation or maybe something fun recreationally, let's say outdoor, including golf, in a warm place. What does this mean for a traveler, Wes, when this kind of thing happens? Well, you you better pack your patience. Um, this FAA failure, the, the notice to air missions system, which has been around in some form since 1947, oh. has, never, has never had uh, an issue like this. Obviously, it's been updated over the years. It, it's overdue for one. But, yeah, no commercial flights were taking off, whether that's FedEx or Southwest or anybody. Um, so if you're stranded, there's a couple things going into all of this that you need to take into consideration. And the first is, what is your responsibility as a traveler? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have to do at the airport or online with customer service? What will they do for you? Um, it's a good time to remind everybody who travels to, if you have travel insurance, read that policy. As much fun as that's not going to be, read that beforehand because if if you miss connecting flights and um, maybe you're traveling internationally and there's a lot on the line, other plane tickets, hotel reservations, right, guide fees, things like that, um, who ultimately is responsible um, because it's going to be you and everybody else as individuals fighting against large corporations who have very well-written contracts that you sign when you buy those tickets. So um, there's a lot at stake going into these fun things. Just take a few minutes to familiarize yourself with that. And then at the airport, um, be the calm person there, not the (laughs) aggressive one, because the person who's going to help you did not do this. And they are having a really bad day. And be nice to them so they can help you and everybody else who's also very important and very busy and very special, just like you. Um, And then I would start calling resorts, you know, wherever we're going. I want to be in touch with them so they hear it from me. Hey, I'm delayed and it's not my fault. I think about our travelers who are heading down to the Yucatan Peninsula or Cuba, or the Bahamas for fishing trips, I would be in touch with those lodges immediately saying, this is affecting us. We may be delayed. Um, please be patient. Please work with us. But I, I want to 
be so guilty of reaching out and being so polite to those folks because it's, it's going to be too easy to get frustrated. And then the other thing is going to be biding your time while you can, but be prepared. So I'm going to be at my departure gate waiting. Um, so if my plane can take off, I want to be there. If it gets moved, I want to be there. If I'm traveling domestically, I'm going to start thinking about fallback plans. I've been in, in a situation like this. A lot of us have where, um, I mean, for me, it was a weather issue. And after four delays, I said, you know, forget this, get me a car. And by being persuasive with the desk agent, my airline got me a rental car. And I mean, it was a planes, trains and automobile situation, but you know, you got to be solution oriented. Now I wasn't, driving to Cuba <laughs> or the Bahamas. <laughs> yeah. um, so sometimes that's not an option. So that's why you've got to be prepared for those contingencies beforehand, or it really is a disaster. And you're going to probably have an aneurysm and say really mean things about really nice people. So <laughs> well, you know, everybody's in that situation. Don't be the one who, who takes it out on everybody else around, because that's really embarrassing for you and your loved ones, and nobody wants to be around that. But it's not unlike, you know, Bill, the other day, Amtrak had a train stuck in South Carolina. Right. And people were calling the police, saying we're being held hostage (laughs) and trying to get dominoes delivered and stuff like that. You know, the the best thing we have is that cerebral function about two and a half, three feet above our, our rear ends. Use your brain. Think about this. Amtrak's not holding you hostage. Southwest didn't try to ruin your vacation. Just sometimes these things happen. And in this case, the FAA's notice to air mission system just it had a moment. You know, it was probably bad code or something written in there. And, you know, we've all had to control, alt, delete things on our computers. They had to do that, too. Um, what, what's for what this? it's worth, this system was supposed to receive funding for an upgrade a couple of years ago, but that didn't happen. So I bet it will now. You and we de- deal with travelers every day over at Jesse Brown's. And I'm going to ask you this because there have been some black swan incidences uh, with travel, you know, a black a black swan incident, as in it doesn't happen every day, these big right. out of your control events. But uh, uh, we had the start of the pandemic. You and I, we had clients who were going um some on domestic flights, which uh, that was one thing, but some on international flights who right. were turned around due to a political uh, risk involving presidents of Argentina or other countries saying, no, we're not taking anyone, any flights in from other countries. Uh, so we had that incident. Just recently, we had uh, Southwest had their trouble, which again is being investigated, but reportedly is. Uh, uh, hopefully technological issues uh, um, that that cause that, similar to the FAA. Uh, We have a lot of travelers that come to Jesse Brown's. We have a lot of people who work in the travel industry who listen to this program. What are your thoughts about how we are, and we'll stay with the recreational part. We'll park the business traveler, but the recreational traveler, um, and what we are learning in this past three years of transition in how we travel via air and keep in mind of course we have charlotte we have a fantastic airport here that's busy but uh flies domestically all over the place throughout the the uh, 48 states but also within central america south america 
and uh, North America. You can get a direct flight almost, it seems like, anywhere. How are we, I, I guess, maturing as travelers, uh, recreation travelers, in the past three years, in your opinion? I think we're, uh, we're more prepared to go to different places. You know, we're going to places, even domestically, that several years ago just weren't on the map. Um, you know, Western travel used to be the Grand Canyon and just a few places in Colorado, and now most of the Rocky Mountains are seen as a destination. Um, you know, Florida used to be the place where the big mouse lives, and then maybe Key West. There's a lot of people who travel throughout that state. Um so I think we're hitting other places, but we're also, we have more information available to us. And some of it is very good and some of it is very bad. Um, but the benefit is if you essentially take our humble but correct opinions about some of this <laughs> stuff, you'll be better off. I think about the group that we had go to Africa several months back. Right. And none of their checked baggage made it for 12 days in Africa. And the folks that I had worked with, my point was your carry-on bag, a big part of that bag is what you may have to live out of. So having a change of clothing that is perhaps wrinkle-resistant or better yet also odor-resistant, so things like bamboo or lightweight merinos, in, in two or three people's case on that trip, that's what they wore in Africa for 12 days, you know, laundering it occasionally. And when they came home, their carry-on, or I'm sorry, their checked baggage was waiting for them. So, you know, I would have in my carry-on, if if I've played the game properly, that stuff packs down next to nothing. So in that bag is going to be a change of clothes. And maybe the very foundational basics of a toiletry skip. You know, if you've been in an airport for a day or two, I've spent the night in an airport before, not by my own choice. Being able to brush your teeth is incredible. You know, you feel like a new person. Um, being able to change your shirt is awfully nice. Um, and people around you appreciate the diminishing <laughs> returns of that funk. So, you know, think about that. Um, you know, we have great snack options now. So it's not just junk food. It's, it's things that can help with blood sugar. You can get protein. Um, our smartphones provide a tremendous amount of diversion for us. Just consider headphones for the rest of us because we don't want to hear your music. Um, so I would have everything with me as a traveler should to be prepared to entertain myself, to be somewhat self-sufficient. I don't want to wait in the line forever to get greasy food or to overpay for a sandwich. So if I can avoid that, I'm going to. Um, but there is so much information available to us. So take a pause while you can and do a little bit of work on your behalf before you go to the gate agent or call your travel agent. Um, you know, think back before we had these, these smartphone computers that we could do this work. We were, you were really up the Creek without a paddle. Now we can do a lot of the advocating we need um, <clears throat> to get on that next flight, to get an upgrade or, you know, let's pick Florida as an example. Maybe I can't get into Miami, but maybe I can catch the quickest flight to Fort Lauderdale and pick up a car and, you know, that's an hour drive, give or take, um, versus having to wait an extra six hours or a day to get down there. So start thinking about, well, maybe I could pick up that flight somewhere else. Uh, yeah, it's a hassle, but 
you know, when things go a little bit wrong, travel ceases to be travel and it becomes an adventure. So take an adventure mindset to this, solve that problem. In a few months or years from now, it becomes a story worth telling versus a, a gripe and groan session. Ooh, uh, so you use that information to your advantage and then lead your people on that trip. You're, you'll be a better person. The people around you will be better people. The photographs will be a whole lot cooler. Um, but be prepared to entertain yourself. We have the ability to do that now. You don't have to carry you know, a Jenga game with you or a board game. You have it on your phone. So use that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think about where our people travel so much now that 10 years ago they weren't going. Um, well, and, so I, and I will say – Those uh, strange things a bit. Pause for a tease because here it comes. Last week you and I spoke to Richard Yerchek of the National Ski Patrol. Uh, yeah. He uh, operates out of Beach Mountain. That's the tease part. You can go back and listen to that interview on highlights of the Carolina Outdoors, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as over at jessebrowns.com. And with that being said, Richard, by his day job, works in the financial industry um, and including insurance. And Wes, he's going to come on and talk about his trip to uh, the Alps with his family and the and, and what he had learned as even someone who sells insurance and travel insurance, what he learned about lost luggage and the trials and tribulations that come after uh, an injury happens on a trip. And he'll go into detail when we get him back on. So that'll be a fitting uh, segue uh, uh, when that segment airs. Plus, it gives the people a chance to learn a little bit about Richard and his adventures on highlights of the Carolina outdoors. Now, with all of that being said, this is Bill Barty, and on the other side of the line is Wes Lawson, two of us co-hosting from afar. And Wes, somewhere in there, when we were talking about the domestic part of travel, you mentioned the Keys. Key West was one of the places that the Sage Fly Rod Company used to help develop their new release that's going to be released starting January 17th. Now, Sage is one of the, if not the, premier fly rod manufacturer in the world. They're based out in Bainbridge Island, Washington, but they come all the way to the east, all the way down south to Key West to design something called the Salt R8. Wes, you've had a chance to hold this rod in your hand. We are preparing for its release at Jesse Brown's with Sage January 17th. What can you tell the anglers about what you learned when you were casting this brand new bit of technology for the fly rod market. You know, oftentimes with equipment, we hear things like, you know, do it all or jack of all trades. Right. And in fishing, especially in fly rods, there's been this over the dec- last decade or so, this race towards rods that are fast action and powerful. They can cast these insane distances. You know, 80 feet, 100 feet, you know, all of your fly line, essentially. Um, and in doing that, the way they had to do that was um, using mostly graphite, some other materials, but using so much of it that the rod had no feel. It, it, it felt disconnected from your hand and your arm. So you could probably, on a good day, hit these huge distances or fight these really monstrous fish, but you really didn't know 
kind of where you were with things. And so gear can break right. or because you can't feel it, you may be inaccurate. Like, sure, I can cast a long way, but I couldn't hit, you know, a boat size target necessarily. And so Sage with this new R8 graphite technology um, has come out with a way to make a rod that truly can cast at dis- you know, a great distance. And it's very accurate uh, because the rod doesn't vibrate and wiggle like they used to. But it's not like, you know, we talk about casting a telephone pole or a broomstick. It has feel to it again. So the old days of fly rods where they felt good, you felt connected to it. It was visceral. It kind of felt like driving an old sports car. Like you become one with it. Technology has allowed that. So now you could very easily take your 10 or 12 weight tarpon rod and make a quick shot over to a fish that pops up 20 or 30 feet away just as easily as you could with confidence hit that fish's nose at 70 Mm. or 80 feet much beyond that you've got to be a pretty special person in pretty ideal conditions um sage has allowed us to have a rod now that truly deserves to be a flagship rod and i think it's going to um create some some ripples so to speak in the fly rod industry of this is what it takes to have a rod that can do so much so well it it's very hard to have all of these things working together and you know if i had known growing up that this is what physics would allow us to do in life i might have paid a little bit more attention to science (laughs) class because there is i mean you know they work with with the aerospace industry on this so there's really groundbreaking technology here but to have a rod that is so fast and powerful, but it has that connection to you. So then you'll notice that if somebody comes in, this is replacing the stalwart Salt HD, um, which was a great rod. But you, if you missed your cast, if it wasn't timed just right, the way the line would shoot and the rod would kind of it would almost recoil and you'd feel it down through your forearm and elbow. That's essentially gone with this. And so... Um, you know, when, when everything lines up, it is just incredible, but you don't have this really tight power band. It's very approachable. It's, it's like years ago when golf was kind of before Tiger Woods, you know, when, um, the Callaway company came out with the big Bertha driver, you know, it's lightweight, it's, it's, it's alloys and it was enormous. Um, and then there was the burner bubbles or all these drivers that were just huge, but they had a bigger sweet spot. So, you know, you, you could actually, those of us who thought we were okay at the driving range could actually hit a golf ball pretty far and relatively accurate. Yeah. It's the same thing here. The sweet spot is bigger and it's more accommodating, but it can still give you that laser accuracy. It's just, it really is pretty incredible. We've got them labeled up, you know, over at Jesse Brown's. We kind of stack them up, fly rods and other gear and equipment and clothing. Good, better, and best. The brand new Salt R8 rod, fly rod, coming out is in the best category. It's a a high-end fly rod, but hey, everyone is welcome to stop by Jesse Brown's Outdoors and cast this brand new thing available for purchase January 17th. Wes Lawson, we're missing you over here at One Julian Price Place in Studio D, but uh, hats off for the report on travel and also on the brand new uh, rod release coming from Sage. 
The Salt R8, as they're going to call it. Salt R8, that's what I meant to say. He's Wes Lawson. I'm Bill Barty. We're going to come back and wrap up a little bit. Actually, no, we're not going to wrap up. We're going to bring on Neil Boyd and talk a little bit about the Winter Mountain Bike Challenge after this. <laughs> 